Bibles this morning to John chapter 6. We're uh, doing our next lesson on Bible doctrine. Um, you can't get any more fundamental, Nick, than, than what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. Uh, Nick has been talking about the fundamentals and uh, how important they are. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to do this series on Bible doctrine, hit it here and there on Sunday mornings, as, as this is the fundamentals of the faith. And um, we're going to talk about the most important subject of all uh, this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ, the person of our Lord. Um, you get off on who He is, <laughs> you get off on everything eventually. And um, if we don't have this right, we have nothing right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of religions out there, and on the outside they look pretty good. I mean, they might even have some, what we would term as good people who make good citizens, who make up a good culture or society. You don't have to worry about them hurting you or harming you. They're not harmful people physically. Uh, but listen, there's going to be a lot of good people who aren't bad people in our terms, as we would say it, uh, who aren't saved, who don't know Jesus, who uh, aren't going to heaven when they die, because being good doesn't get you there, right? Um, it's what we know about Christ. It's, it's based upon Him. And we, we can't get this wrong. Listen, there, there's a lot we could get wrong, okay? Even in what we believe about the Bible, there's a lot we could get wrong and still be saved and go to heaven. Uh, we talked about the Bible long enough, we're going to disagree with certain things, you know? We, we, can, we, can, we can disagree or get it wrong on end-time events. We, we could get that wrong on how things are going to play out, how this is going to happen, how that's going to happen, and we could still be saved and go to heaven. There's a lot we could get wrong in what we believe about the Bible, okay? That's not encouraging you to not dig in and know the truth. I'm just, I'm making a point here that there are some things you cannot get wrong. You can't get wrong who Jesus is. That's the one thing you cannot get wrong. You can't get wrong what Jesus did. And you can't get wrong how to be saved. You, you can't get those things wrong. Um, but yet there's a lot of things that fly underneath the banner of Christianity today and they've got it wrong. They've got it wrong on who Jesus is. They've got it wrong on how to go to heaven. You've got those two basic things, fundamentals, wrong. Listen, you can't get that wrong. There's a lot in the Bible you can get wrong, but those, that is not it. That is, that, that is not the one thing you can get wrong. Um, so we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're going to be very direct in this in regards to just talking about Him. And some of this is very fundamental to most of us here. It'll be very basic. Uh, if you've been a seasoned Christian at all, you're going to say, I know these things, but we need to be reminded of these things, and we should never assume that the people around us know them that are new to the Christian faith. We should never assume that our children know them because they go to church with us. And so these things need to be restated, no matter how simple and basic uh, they may be. Uh, but let's start with reading of John chapter 6 and verse 36. John chapter 6, let's read verse 36 down to verse uh, 40 this morning. Jesus says, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. 
All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will in no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we come into your word, and Lord, help us as we talk about the most important person that there is, and that is your son, Jesus. Father, help us to have a proper understanding of, of who he is, and, and, and how he came to this earth, and the manner in which he came, and what he did, and what that means to us. Father, I pray for those that are here this morning that do not know Jesus Christ, that and, and this message that they might just have their eyes open to, to who He is and what He did. And Father, I pray that we would hold fast to these things as a church of Christ and that we, Lord, would stand upon the truth of, of who Christ is. If we get off on that, Lord, we're off on everything. So Father, help us, I pray, to believe the truth, the truth of Jesus, that it might set us free from the lies of religion and the lies of men that would say that He's something that He is not. In His name we do pray, and amen. Who is Jesus and why He came, His return, His, his, his reign, uh, His suffering? Everything about the Christian life needs to be centered upon who we believe Jesus is, why He came, about His return, about His eternal reign. Everything that we do in regards to the Christian life is all centered upon Him. At least it needs to be. You know, when Jesus says what He did here in John 6, and, and especially uh, verse 38, He declares here unto us that, that He came down from heaven. He came down from heaven. And so He's declaring that one, that He did not exist or begin to exist uh, when He was born in this earth. There are religions out there that say that that was the beginning of Jesus. In other words, they do not believe that He is eternal. They do not believe that at all, that He actually had His beginning, uh, if you would, there in the manger. He is the eternal Son of God, which means He had existence prior to His incarnation. His incarnation is, is Him taking upon flesh. Every time that Jesus talked in that, the Gospels about Him having a relationship with the Father, uh, he is declaring unto us His pre-existence and His eternal essence. Hear the words of Christ when He was praying to the Father in John 17. He said this in verse 5, And now, O Father, glorify Me together with Yourself with the glory which I had with You before the world was. It's that kind of language that led the Jews to want to take up stones and to, to kill the Jesus Christ. Because they knew what it meant whenever He would declare that He was the Son of God and that He was before them, in a sense, He was before even the world. They knew that claim of deity that He was making, which we'll deal with uh, later. In John 1, 1, we, we know it well, hopefully, at least we should, where it says, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so there, when you look at John 1, you find out that the Word there is Jesus. 
We find out later when you look at how the, John the Baptist is proclaiming Christ and, he, and the Christ is the Word. We see that connection. But Jesus is the Word. And the Word was with God. Say, aha! See, He's not God. And then the very next word is, and the Word was God. And so we see the deity of Christ, that He is God. And we see that He also He is, he is the second person of, of the Trinity, of the Godhead. For He is God and He was with God. So there is communion, there is oneness, there is togetherness in John 1.1. All of that is found there. Our whole life, our whole life should be as a Christian to, to becoming to, to know Christ more, to know Jesus more, more about Him we should want to know and more like Him we should be. It's about knowing Him more and becoming more like Him. If you could sum up the Christian life, that is it. Say, what's the Christian life? It's about knowing Jesus more and becoming more like Him. Knowing Him and becoming like Him. Pretty much everything is about that in some way, form, or fashion. Our entire life and being is made by Him and we are made for Him. So, with just that simply said this morning, one will by no means cover the subject of Jesus in a, in a couple or three lessons, by no means. But our whole life, our whole ambition of, of our life, as we come to God's house, as we open up the Word of God at home, our, our prayer should be, Lord, help me to see Jesus. We can read the Bible and miss Him. We can read the Bible and miss Him, and we don't want to do that. I mean, Jesus told the Pharisees, He said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of Me. Many of the people who were around Jesus, the Pharisees, many of them, you realize, could, could quote most of the Old Testament? They could quote most of the Old Testament, but yet they missed Jesus. Now that... We need to be able to see Him. We need to open up the Word of God and we need to pray, Lord, let me see Your Son. Let me see Jesus. Now I want to start with, with, with regards to the incarnation of Christ. The incarnation of Christ. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Scriptures in bold are the ones we'll turn to. We can't turn to every Scripture reference. It would take way too long to do that. Uh, but we'll turn to this one, John 1, 14. Again, we see the Word reference to here. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the greatest mystery in all of the Word of God. You know, it's interesting. We, get, we can get caught up in talking about a lot of the unknowns, a lot of the mysteries in the Bible. And we can talk about a lot of things, a lot of things in Revelation. What's this mean? What's that mean? And a lot of those things are, are mysteries. Some things we do not understand. A lot of things in the Old Testament are, can be mysteries. Well, how did this happen? And all this, what did that look like? And a lot of mysteries. Listen, there's no greater mystery than this. That God became flesh. I can't fathom that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. Jesus in the flesh 
as said in the Word of God, is the only begotten of the Father. He is begotten of the Father. He is the self-existent one and the pre-existent one. He is the eternal Son of God. He tabernacled Himself with human flesh and dwelt among men. It's an amazing thing, the birth of Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Christ. And it's a fact that's seen throughout all of Scripture. Philippians 2 and, and verse 6 and 7 says this, "...who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation." He humbled Himself, "...taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men." And speaking about Jesus communing to the Father, Hebrews 10.5 says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you have prepared me. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ came in the flesh. I can't imagine. Sometimes I try to think about God robed in flesh. Of course, I go back even to, to conception, and I think about how the Scriptures teach that He's conceived there of the Holy Spirit in, in Mary's body. And I can't imagine that. God was in a womb of a woman here on this earth. We can't, we can't wrap our minds around that. The greatest mystery of all. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, dwelt among men in a real body. He was literally in the womb of Mary. He wasn't a mystical form. He wasn't a spirit as some religions would teach. Some religions say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But they do not believe in literally that God became flesh. Now, the incarnation of Christ uh, was necessary for uh, several reasons, and we're not going to deal alone with this. But one, understand this, it was necessary that Christ endure bodily suffering as to act as sinful man's substitute. That's why did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? To become that perfect substitute for sinners. And we are taught in Matthew 10, 28 by Jesus that lost sinners are cast, it says, both soul and body into hell. You realize that people who die without Christ, that they have a body prepared to them by the Lord that will endure all of hell throughout all of eternity. Jesus Christ bore the physical suffering in hell that we deserved. He died in our place. When you look at the physical sufferings of the rich man in hell in Luke 16, we find that he suffered physically. He has emotional suffering there. There's physical suffering as he cried out for a drop of water on his tongue. Hell is a real place with real suffering that is felt physically. And Jesus Christ came as man's substitute to have a body to endure the wrath of God on the cross of Calvary that was due unto us as His people. He is the perfect substitute. Christ suffered in every physical way imaginable in order to be our substitute as His people there on the cross of Calvary. Mentally, He suffered. Listen, hell will be a terrible place. It'll be a terrible place mentally just to know of the suffering of God, to be without the light of the presence of the Lord, 
to be without hope. You know, so many people today, it's so sad, if they don't have hope, a lot of times that leads to, to a lot of terrible things. Listen, hell is the most hopeless place anyone could ever imagine. To be there and to know the wrath of God and then to know in your mind there will never, ever, ever, ever be an escape from that place. The mental torment of that extreme hopelessness is beyond our imagination. And yet men and women will have to endure that. Christ suffered mentally as He was heading to the cross of Calvary and as He was there uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood as the, the, the mental anguish of the suffering that He was about to bear on the cross of Calvary. So when you look at, when you think about hell, there's so many things about it in regards that, that leads and points to the sufferings of Christ. We're taught that hell, though a place of fire, is also a place of darkness. That in itself is a mystery, isn't it? Fire gives light. But yet, men will burn in hell, but yet, there'll be no light. Jesus Christ, as He hung upon the cross of Calvary, what happened? Darkness there, as the Father's wrath came down upon Him. All of this, Christ is being that substitute. We're taught in the Word of God that when people are, are put into hell, it says, bind them hand and foot. One of the, I think that's a ter being restrained throughout all of eternity in the lake of fire. Restrained, bound hand and foot. You're not going to be walking around hell. You're not going to have any movement at all that you are able to do bound hand and foot. What happened to Christ on the cross? What did they do? They bound Him hand and foot. His feet and His hands were nailed to the cross of Calvary to be our substitute. If you're here in loss this morning, let me just say this before we go any further. Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the sinner's substitute on the cross. He's your only hope. He's your only fire escape. He bore that judgment for sinners and for all who would believe upon Him. What a substitute. And so the incarnation of Christ was necessary, one, for Him to become that substitute. Secondly, it was necessary not only that He would be a substitute for sinners, but that He would be, if you would, a high priest for us. You know, Christ has now suffered, He's died, He's risen again, and now the Word of God teaches that He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But during Christ's life, the Bible teaches that, that He was in all points tempted as we are, and yet without sin. But He is our high priest who Hebrews 4.15 teaches us that He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He had that because he, bore, he actually had flesh. Our great God robed Himself in flesh. And He understands the infirmities of our flesh. I mean, what a great high priest He is. A wonderful Savior, substitute, and what a wonderful high priest. Kevin DeYoung stated this. He said, we must always remember 
that union with Christ is possible because of the Son's descent to earth, not because of our ascent into heaven. The basis of our union with Christ is Christ's union with us in the incarnation. He became one with us so that we might become one with Him. I love that. God came to where we were so that we could go to where He is. Thirdly, it was also necessary that He have flesh and render perfect obedience to the law in that flesh so that He would be that perfect sacrifice, as we mentioned, and so that He could work out a perfect righteousness that could be given unto us as His people. In Romans chapter 8, we'll read that verse, Romans chapter 8. And verse 3 says this, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Listen, you and your flesh and all of your works and all of your efforts, you will never ever be able to overcome sin and its judgment. You will never be able to fulfill the law of God in your life. Even if you lived a perfect life from this day forward, kept all of the law of God, never sinned another day in your life, and lived another 50 years from this day forward, you would still go to hell. Because you have not kept it up to this point. <laughs> I know you're not going to actually keep it for the next 50 years, but just to make the point. If you kept all the law of God right now, what about your other sins? How would it be wiped away? Listen, Jesus Christ, He is the only substitute for our sin, and He is not only the only substitute, He is our only righteousness as we stand before God the Father. In Romans 8, 3, it says He condemns sin in the flesh. Listen, Christ fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law, both inwardly and outwardly, to establish an absolute righteousness that is imputed unto us when we believe. When we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have His righteousness given unto us. He received our sin on the cross, and by faith in Him on the cross, we receive His righteousness. He became sin for us, that we might receive His righteousness. It was absolutely necessary that He take upon Himself flesh, because we could not keep all of the law of God. But He did. He fulfilled every part of it. Not only of the ceremonial law regarding the sacrifices, but all the moral law. He kept it all. He never failed one aspect of it. And that's what you need in order to go to heaven. You need complete, 100% perfection. So how can I get to heaven? Let me tell you how to get to heaven. You've got to have perfection. 100% perfection. 100% without sin. 100%. In other words, you've never committed a sin. Never done any wrong. Well, preacher, how can we go to heaven? Good. I'm glad you asked. That's what Christ came for. He came, lived that perfect life. 100%. And by faith in Jesus, and what He did on the cross 
died, buried, and rose again, we have His righteousness imputed unto us to where now God looks at us as though we have never sinned. Positionally, in Christ, as God looks at us, He says they are perfect. So we need we needed Christ. You're here and lost. You need Christ. You can't do it on your own. You can't fulfill the law's demands. You've failed. We've all failed. All we like sheep have gone astray. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Other than Jesus. You need Him. You need His righteousness. Say, but preacher, I've been a pretty good person. It doesn't matter when it comes to salvation. You haven't been good enough. We need Christ. We need His incarnation. We need who He is and what He did. He came and lived that perfect life and kept the law completely to give us His righteousness. Now, the incarnation of Christ is also necessary for all of His ministry and teaching. The incarnation of Christ was necessary when you look at all of the things that His whole ministry, we have the New Testament, He selected His apostles, He founded His church while here upon this earth. He set an example of how we are to live. It's all about Him. I mean, you say, well, what does God want me to do? Well, read, read the Word of God. Look at Jesus. Everything we do is done after the example of Christ. So even if you find commandments in the Old Testament, you know this? Jesus kept all of that. You know, the people say, well, the Old Testament have any place at all for the believer. They don't know what they're saying. We have God's laws there. We have God's commandments. We have God's morality there that we are to follow. So I think we just follow Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? A lot of people say, what, did, what would Jesus do? Let me tell you what Jesus would do. Jesus would keep the commandments. <laughs> Those who use the New Testament as, as some sort of, of an excuse to, to live an ungodly, immoral life, they're not following Jesus, but Jesus kept the commandments. And we are to follow after Him. We are to, to, to be like Him. He sets that example in how He walked in this earth. The incarnation was necessary for, for other reasons that we're not going to get into as much, but in order to fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies, this could be weeks-long study right here of all the prophecies that, that, that spoke of the life, the ministry, the sacrifice, the, the resurrection of Christ. So much in the Old Testament pointed to one that would come in the flesh and would fulfill all of those prophecies. Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and the manner of His birth, and, and Jesus riding in there on the donkey. Jesus' sufferings, His, his birth, and all of, the, all of those things, those are Old Testament prophecies. He fulfilled every bit of it in the flesh. Now, it may seem simple to us, if you've been raised in a Baptist church, to say, well, we need to believe, to say, we need to believe in the incarnation of Christ, or if you're raised in, in Christianity at all, to, to say we need to believe in that. Do not be deceived. 
Because there are many things that fly under the banner of Christianity that deny the incarnation of Christ. Now let me move on to the next thought here regarding His birth. We have referred to it, but I want to elaborate a little more. The virgin birth of Christ was a miraculous event that is a supernatural phenomenon brought about by the power of Almighty God. The Scriptures are clear in presenting the virgin birth of Christ. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was, on this, was as follows, or on this wise, after His mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Before they came together, so while she was still a virgin, she was there had placed within her by the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus. Explain that one. <laughs> the greatest mystery, right? The virgin birth was a miraculous event. The body conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Now, the virgin birth was absolutely necessary for Christ to redeem His people. It goes back to what we've already stated. If Jesus would have had an earthly father who had conceived Him, He would have been tainted by a sinful nature because every person born since the time of Adam are born with a sinful nature. Sin is passed down through Adam. Not Eve. So how does that work? I don't know, but that's what the Bible teaches. Jesus is able to be born of a woman, but not be tainted by the sin of Adam. The virgin birth ensured that Jesus Christ is free from the defilement of Adam's sin. But yet still throughout that life, He lived a perfect life. And the first Adam couldn't do it. And had the first Adam done it himself, he would still be alive today. <laughs> but he didn't do it. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life that none of us could live. The virgin birth is so miraculous. Many, if you really question them, would say they do not believe it. The human nature of Christ was was made of, of a normal human nature, if you would, in the sense that, that He had the flesh, and He had feelings, and, and He could hurt, and He had pain in the flesh. But yet preserved from every taint of sin. The sinless one came to a sinful earth. And so, while He is sinless, 100%, in a flesh, in a body, He still had this sinful earth that He came to His cursed earth that had effects upon Him as a sinless one. Adam had the best environment possible. <laughs> the best environment possible. He had only one command, to not take of that one tree. And he could not keep that one commandment. Jesus Christ came to an earth that was totally corrupt in nature and environment all around Him. Temptation everywhere. Sinners everywhere. I mean, Adam only had him and his wife and one tree. And he couldn't keep the law of God. You can't. And it was one commandment. 
and you think you could possibly keep the law of God in your flesh? No way, Jose. Is anybody named Jose here? I don't think that's bad to say that. But you can't do it. But Jesus Christ did it. Born of a virgin, without a sinful nature, and yet lived in this life and never committed one sin, not one time, to become that perfect sacrifice that we've already mentioned. Now we'll quickly mention the humanity of Christ for the sake of time. Just a few minutes here. We may not get through this part of it. But Jesus Christ was truly a man possessing a human nature, as we said, like other men, yet without sin. Hebrews 2, 14, first part of that verse says, as the children are partakers uh, of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same. He was born of a woman, just like all human beings. Uh, Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In His body, Jesus Christ, He became hungry, He became thirsty, He experienced physical pain. All because of the sin-cursed earth and of bearing our sin. Makes Him the perfect high priest, as we already mentioned. Jesus was a Jew, according to Romans chapter 1, 3, which says, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. What did Jesus look like? Well, he wasn't a typical white male. He was Jewish. Likely dark hair, right? The Samaritan woman recognized him as a Jew by his physical attributes as you read John chapter 4. Listen, we should defend the teaching of the humanity of Christ, of Him coming in the incarnation to take upon flesh His supernatural birth and His humanity. Now those are very basic elementary things for us as Christians, but it is the, the foundation of our faith and who He is and what He's done to, to secure our salvation. It's under, it need, we need to understand these things, but for one reason uh, alone and for no other reason, because He is the only mediator. He's the only one that can connect us to God. The only one, the man Christ Jesus. That's why it's important that He came upon, in flesh, lived a perfect life, was actually human. That He might be that one mediator between us and and God. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You shall call His name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God came down with us, took upon flesh, became that perfect sacrifice, lived that perfect life that we could not live so that we could live eternally with Him by faith in Him. It sounds like preachers are so elementary. It's just, we know these things. I know that most of us probably know these things. Know, knowing these things. Knowing these things and believing upon Christ as your substitute, as the one who, as the Lamb of God who kept the law of God perfectly, 
believing upon Christ and just knowing these things are two different things. Trusting in Christ for your salvation is different than believing that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe there was a lot of people that believe Jesus Christ came in the flesh, was born of a virgin, but they're not going to heaven. But wouldn't you agree with that? I believe a lot of people believe that. Believe he did it. I believe there's a lot of people, now hear me out, that believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and are not going to heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe you can believe Jesus died and rose again and not go to heaven? This is a, this is a searching question. What is the gospel? The gospel is how Christ died, what? What's the next words? For our sins. You can believe he did it, but not believe he did it for you. In other words, you can believe he did it, but not trust he did it for you. It's different. Listen, if you would ask me as a young boy, do I believe Jesus is God? Do I believe he lived a perfect life? Do I believe he died on the cross? Do I believe he rose again? I, w- I was taught that from a boy. I, I don't ever remember doubting that. But it's different when you trust it for the salvation of your soul that Jesus, who he was, was God in the flesh. He died on the cross in your place took your sin, your judgment, was buried and rose again. It's not about just believing the facts about what the Bible says about Jesus. It's about trusting in who He is and He did it for you. You've got to have that. And I really fear sometimes that being raised in church, that that is one of the hindrances sometimes, isn't it? Because like we know these things in our minds sometimes, but it's different to trust to truly trust in Christ and what He did on the cross on your behalf. Father in heaven, I pray that you would work in hearts today. We thank you for these basics, these fundamentals, these, uh, the foundation of our faith, these, these things we're, we're talking about and studying doctrine. But Lord, there are some things we can get wrong, but Lord, we know this is not one of them. We cannot get wrong who your Son is and what He did and why He did it. And Father, I pray for those that are yet without faith. Father, that they would would believe upon Christ today for the salvation of their soul. Believe upon Him. Not trust in themselves, not trust in their law-keeping, not trust in anything about themselves, but trust solely, completely, and entirely upon the person of Christ and who He is and what He did. Father, save some here today that are yet without Christ. They know about Him but they've not trusted in Him. They've not trusted in Him as Lord, as Savior, as Redeemer. God help them, I pray, as only you can turn hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Let's all stand, please, as we sing.